Welcome to the 80th episode of the Young Terps Podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we have a year in review, and of course, we're talking about Maryland's win over Radford. And before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. Your hometown Terrapin party rental resource, Allied, has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no obligation quote, at 301-986-0067, or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to kick things off here, a real only Terrapin Rundown item would be the Terps victory over Penn State in women's basketball. Yeah, and the Lady Terps are also in action right now. It's in the third quarter, and they are losing to Rutgers 47-45. to Yep, um, hopefully they'll pull out as they have all season, but the Scarlet Knights are sure going to run for their money in College Park. Yes, they are, and let's get into our year in review here. 2018 hasn't been a good year for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, and it's been a rough one, especially if you're a Maryland fan. Yeah, Maryland Athletics, of course, had a very long and difficult year, and starting off in January with the basketball teams, it just didn't get off to a good start. No, both teams were beaten up by injuries all season, more so the women's team than the men's. The women's team season ended in the second round when they lost to NC State, and the men's team had a lot of people on edge. Yeah, the men's team, of course, missed the NCAA tournament the first time in three years. And for a lot of people, I think it got them questioning the direction of the program. Yeah, of course, you had great players like Herder and Justin Jackson, even though his season was cut short by injury. And it just didn't really amount to much, 19-13 and 13 on the season, ending it with what was an awful loss at Xfinity Center against Michigan, and then the uninspiring performance in the Big Ten tournament that ended with the loss to Wisconsin. And then, of course, they didn't make the NIT tournament in March. Possibly one of the biggest standouts for this year for the Terps was Selection Sunday as they fell short of the any tournament. Just a really disheartening season for men's basketball. And women's basketball, really, as well. Well, women's basketball, you know, you always had the future, the five-star recruits, the bringing back all those players that were injured. There was more positives for Brenda's squad than Coach Turgeon's. So moving on to what generally is a very positive month for Maryland Athletics, May, where, of course, the lacrosse Final Four is, and in recent years where the baseball teams really hit their stride. This year, though, I don't know. I feel bad saying this, but no championships for either the lacrosse teams. You can't call it a disappointment, but is it? Um, I guess it's. A, I guess it is. If you're disappointed, and most people were, then it is a disappointment. Also, though, men's base, or I guess just baseball, didn't make the NCAA tournament the first time in a couple years, another big letdown. It was a rough spring for the Terps. Well, on the, on the lacrosse hand, of course, women's is a different story, but for men's, not a lot of people expected them to make it this far. They were, you know, they lost a lot. They lost to Rambo, Heacock, <coughs> and Connor Kelly and Jared Bernhardt really held together this season. They really, they were just 
Connor Kelly was just such a great player, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year when they don't have him. And on the women's side, you know, they just didn't get it done this time. I mean, BC beat them by just a couple of goals, and, you know, that's your story from the championship weekend up at Gillette Stadium. Well, of course, the men lost to Duke in the Final Four. Um, the highlight of the tournament for me was seeing Mason walk around the sidelines when I was on the phone with him on ESPNU on Memorial Day. Actually, that was a Saturday before Memorial Day, but you get the point. It was a fun thing to see, but just, yeah, disappointing, I guess, just because the we know how good both the men's and women's across teams can be, and they didn't, at least most people I think felt like they didn't re- fully reach their potential of last season. No, you really can't say it. I mean, Final Four, Big Ten champs, it was a good year, it just... You just come to expect championships, especially after men's lacrosse finally got one, finally got it done last year. You were really hoping they could do it again. It just, it didn't happen this past season. Then we move into the summer, which is where this year really took a turn for the worst. Well, before it did, though, we were, it was a fair amount of excitement bubbling, though. Football had a lot of hype around it. Basketball especially had a lot of hype that we'll get to shortly. So I feel like it was a real drop-off when the bombshells dropped. Yeah, and the first of those, of course, being the death of Jordan McNair in June, and then the following actions, of course, the ESPN report, and just everything that happened after that really ripped your heart out if you were a real Maryland, big-time Maryland fan, or in the cases of some reporters who wanted to say it discredits the whole university as a whole, it just... It was like... If Maryland was a big program, no one would have really cared. But since it was Maryland, it got destroyed. Oh, in terms of Jordan McNair's passing, I don't think that's the case necessarily. But in terms of the tox- toxicity report, I see what you're trying to say. I feel like if it was a – I, I know what you're trying to say. I'm just trying to find a way to articulate it. Talk, talk about your Ohio State story. I think it's the best way to put it. Yeah, so Penn State and Ohio State – Played in that, you know, the big whiteout game at Penn State and, you know, that atmosphere. And Ohio State's getting beaten and they go to halftime and then they come back out into the field. And then, you know, Kirk and um, Chris Fowler are, are yucking it up about how they are challenging their manhood at halftime in the locker room. Well, part of. The ESPN thing was that they were challenging Maryland's manhood, you know, the manhood of the Maryland players and how that was a big thing and, you know, challenging the masculinity shouldn't be in football. And then their two biggest game guys that ESPN has, they did the playoff, they're doing the national championship, are, you know, for lack of better words, yucking it up about how that that's what Ohio State's doing. That's the kind of thing that Maryland fell victim to this year, and the real shame of it is they did nothing to defend themselves. Yeah, that was, of course, the biggest story of the year for the Terps, was this whole... The real shame of it to me is that it overshadowed Jordan McNair's passing and the positive impact that could have had on anything, really, because this ESPN Talks History Report just took over the narrative. It hijacked the story, and it became... It's what we're talking about now, really, because it had such a huge impact. Of course, it was all the DJ Durkin being removed and then reinstated and then removed. And then 
Matt Canada's season, which was something we'll talk about a little bit later, the Mike Lex's virtual hiring. And it all came out of this one it really all came out of Jordan's passing, but it all got hijacked by ESPN's questionable reporting. Yeah, and then the Washington Post questionable reporting. Rick Mace and Roman Stubbs, for all the post subscribers out there, or even the people that, you know, see it on Twitter or anyone, they can just keep on adding to that list with Sferluga and Sally Jenkins and whoever else, if I'm sure I'm missing some people, wrote down their opinions and their reporting that we could get into, but I'm going to try and stay away from it. I don't know how well I can do that. But at least the opinions. If you go to, I believe it was one of the first Barry Sferluga things that said, if you're a Maryland graduate, you should be ashamed of your university and your degree is, I'm pretty sure the words were, I don't know, discredited, worthless, something like that. And then Sally Jenkins, when the Durkin reinstating happened, saying that Maryland football is a bunch of thugs and it just, it was so wrong to me. And then when finally, um, when Loxley was hired, uh, Mike Preston from the Baltimore Sun said they should have hired, I believe it was the main football coach. And then you finally saw Maryland football alumni go out and say, go away. We don't want you here anymore. You ruined our program. Because if there's one thing that the reporting did, or there are two things. One, it got Durkin fired, and, you know, I, I'm not inside enough to know if the players really wanted that. And if they did, then he should have been removed. But if there's one thing that this whole thing showed, it was you ruined not only DJ Durkin, not only this coaching staff or whoever else they wanted to destroy by doing this, but they ruined Maryland football's legacy and the program. And even though Maryland hasn't been good, those players – it's still something that you hold with pride that you played for Maryland, and it just took an enormous hit when, you know, the media decided that they wanted to destroy it. And there's no dancing around what we're saying here, which is really that the year in review has been totally overshadowed. This entire year has been taken over by the reporting, and not even the scandal itself. The reporting that followed for most Maryland fans was a bigger deal than what actually happened because it felt like we were so under siege, and we were. There's no going around that, that the entire national media and local media just seem like they're out to get us. And whether that's true or not, maybe we don't really know, but that's definitely what it felt like, I think, for most Maryland fans. Yeah, and I believe that the overshadowed pinnacle of the media destroying Maryland was the picture of Kasim Hill. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but elaborate for those who don't know. There was a picture from a WUSA 9 reporter who is also a professor at Maryland, who was a Maryland graduate, took a picture of Kasim Hill with both of his middle fingers up at him because they just wanted them to go away. Stop showing up on our practice. We don't care about you. We want to play football. Now go away. Now, that wasn't a great move by Kasim, but you're a Maryland graduate. You have to have some amount of maybe I shouldn't put this up. Maybe I shouldn't, like, if it really took off, ruin this kid. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but the discretion that even the Maryland people showed just was non-existent. I get it, you're a journalist, you're not supposed to have feelings, but it's just, you've seen these kids just get destroyed on ESPN, on, and a lot of them grew up around here, Fox 5, ABC 7, NBC, you know, everybody was here, and it seemed like they were attacking these players 
and it just it just didn't stop till eventually it did, and it really only stopped when the season was over because if you watch the Penn State broadcast, they were still talking about it. If Maryland played in a bowl game, they would still be talking about it. And if Maryland plays on ESPN in week, any week next year, they'll still be talking about it. They will not. It's time to move on, but the media, unfortunately, will not allow them to do so. And the other thing that I think I want to, I want to touch on, at least, on our year in review is we can safely, I think, look back on now Kevin Anderson's legacy at Maryland. Because was he still here in January, Mason? No. He was on sabbatical. All right, then we can talk about Damon Evans hiring then, which it's a hard move, I think, to look back on right now. I don't think – well, I think you can. Because if you look at the Baltimore Sun reporting and the general, what I believe to be factual reporting through the Durkin thing, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Yeah, it's a thing at this point. There's just so many branches of it. I guess you could call it a debacle. but The Durkin debacle. But continuing on, if you look at the actual reports that were done by these outside organizations, the Walters Inc. one and the Commission on... Football culture, is that what it's called? Something like that. Close enough. Damon Evans failed to give proper oversight. Now, I don't know if that means that... I don't know if Wallace Lowe knew that, and if he didn't know that, then he should be gone. <coughs> but it's just... It's such a... It's such a mixed bag. Because Damon, you know, he's really trying to start the fundraising, and fundraising in college sports has become harder than ever because of the new tax laws and really what's deductible and what's not. And Damon is really good at that. I'll give him that. But the rest of it, I'm not so sure. Well, he's only had to make, what, one hire so far, as far as I'm aware. And that one hire is Mike Loxley. And I think it's been a very well-received hire in the community. Now, granted, DJ Durkin's hire is pretty well-received, too. And even though... Whether it's his fault or not, it went sideways in the worst possible way. So, it's hard to judge now, but I think hiring and firing, in my opinion, is the biggest part of your job as athletic director. It's the most visual part that we see, and it's the most important part. And I think it's pretty safe to say now that Kieran Harrison did not do a great job of hiring and firing in his time at Maryland. And I think that Damon has done a pretty okay job so far. But there's nothing to judge it on. No, there's nothing to judge it on. So what there is, what we can judge, is that we didn't handle the um, ESPN fallout well, the, and the Jordan McNair fallout as a whole well. Well, and I'll let you continue in one second, but that wasn't Damon. That was the head of communications of the university, Wallace Lowe. It was it was beyond Damon's pay grade, and there's not much beyond that. So do you think he did a good job during the whole? Concert? I don't think he had a job. I don't really think he had a job. I don't really think Maryland Sports Information had a job. I think the university thought that they were the ones that could control this. And Wallace Lowe's going to go out. You're getting me started, Jordan. You're getting me triggered. That Wallace Lowe's going to go out and take responsibility. And, you know, Wallace can come in and save the day. And the university can. And they were pathetic at doing that. Which leads you to question how much there is, as we said already, how much there is to concrete judge Damon on. And there's really not much so far. So I think for now he he gets a year grade of incomplete, as weird as that sounds, because there wasn't he didn't get a whole year A, 
and B, what he did get, it wasn't much there to see. Yeah, and I think that will leave the football thing at rest, and hopefully we can leave it in 2018. I know that we've had some discussions about that in general. Like most Maryland fans, they're ready to leave it behind, and I think we all are. And the last part of this year, well, I want to go to something positive with football, the win over Texas. You were there. I was there. I mean, it was just a it, it was, was, it, was it, a, it was a great win. It was a good day. It was a day we really needed. We got a, our first win after the debacle of a summer we had, and it felt like we were going in the right direction again. And no, the season didn't go well, but for that one day, it seemed like we had limitless possibilities. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I thought that it was a really positive day. It was really, you know, we have a video of, like, on-field reactions of, on our YouTube page from that game. And it's just, it was the top of the mountain of Maryland pride. It wasn't a big crowd, no. It wasn't a overly electric environment at FedEx Field. But it was just, it was playing for Maryland. There wasn't much more to it. It was get out. We don't. It was like we don't like the national attention. We don't want that. This is about us. This is about Maryland fans, the ones that have been here for a long time. Because let's face it, attendance this year wasn't great, and I'm sure the whole Durkin and the way that was handled and the way that the um, media ripped Maryland apart was part of that. People didn't want to go see Maryland anymore, but the people that go to these games when they're losing and stay in these games when they're losing by 60 and the people that will go to these games till the day they die were the only real people that showed up plus a bunch of people from Texas that showed up at that game to cheer for Maryland stay through the rain delay and we were there to support our team and we didn't really care what you thought about them but that was us and that's really in my opinion Maryland's won a lot of games that was one of the finest moments of Maryland football history that was a good game. That was a good moment, and you're right. That was a very important win psychologically for all of the longtime fans. The other game I wanted to visit is the Ohio State game, which was so, so close to being the best win in recent Maryland history. Yeah, I think you could have thrown – actually, no. I disagree with that. The Texas game was just so important to Maryland fans. That, yeah, sure, if they beat Ohio State, they're going to a bowl game. They made another thing happen when no one thought they could. It would have been a huge win. It would have been a really important one. But at the end of the day, that Texas game, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, I'm not sure if Alabama walked out on that field or Clemson or Notre Dame or Oklahoma if Maryland couldn't have beaten them. Because there was just Maryland just wasn't losing that game. It just wasn't going to happen. Even though they almost did. But at the end of the day, they made plays that Maryland never makes. And they won that game. And they didn't make those plays against Ohio State. It was just the euphoria around that Texas game. The feeling was just so special. And I really don't think that it can be matched. If you believe, if you say so, that's the, then that's probably the case. They just weren't losing. I was on the field when they made that last play. There was just they weren't losing that game. All right, well you heard it here first, I guess. Then that was probably the, that probably was the best moment of the season for Chirp fans. But we it was the best moment of like the past ten years of Maryland football. 
I don't know. Beating Texas on the road last year was pretty good, too. Also, Penn State to, on the road a couple years ago. That was, okay, keep <laughs> Yeah, okay. Just to me, uh, I will say it fine. For me, it was the best win in the past 10 years. All right, that's your opinion. You're entitled to that. Uh, another big moment, of course, men's soccer captured the College Cup. Yeah, and that's going to be our last. Well, we'll talk about Loxley for a minute. It was a great run. It they was played a, with grit. Like Maryland men's. It's almost like Maryland non-rev grit. <laughs> they play everybody. They prepare to make that run. And then they do it. That was just. It was execution in its prime. That was improbable was the word I'd use. Because for those who followed Maryland's men's soccer. They had a really tough start to the season. And they could not score a goal. And to have them turn around like they did was just. It was completely unexpected. Yeah, and when you talk about Maryland men's soccer, you think about the big crowds at Ludwig and the electric environment, but that really wasn't there for most of this year. It was more of a small, you know, the real, another time, the Maryland men's soccer fateful. We're out there on, like, Tuesday nights when it's cold and the crew and just, it was a season that was really, I'll go with you, unexpected because the buzz was really wasn't there for a lot of the season. But then when it mattered, they came out, they made the plays and. Heck, they won a championship, and they didn't give up a goal the whole tournament. Yeah, and that's how they played all season, and it was not even. I know a lot of people don't like aren't huge soccer fans out there, but it was not a flat. Even by soccer standards, it was not flashy. They won hard. They won like the equivalent of winning ten to thirteen to ten in football. Yeah, and it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It might be the best, most flashy style to watch, but they won the championship. That's it's just a weird. It's weird to me because they were just were so low-key about it the whole year. Yeah, I feel like that's a good way to put it, but it was a great win. It was much needed to kind of cap off the athletics year. Now, on to our final event of this year, which will be the Mike Loxley hiring. Yeah, I guess we're, well, I guess we're not going to talk about basketball because we're going to talk about that next. Mike Loxley's hiring really felt like it energized the fan base to me. And it's hard to do. It's a big thing because the fan base was so shot after this year. But it was it was there's such positive energy around the football program again. It's great to see. Yeah, I feel like Michael Oxley was. And when you talk about Damon hiring him, I don't know if there was many other options. Maryland football was at the point of almost no return to the point of we lost a lot of the big boosters. It was just. It wasn't going well, and Mike Loxley was the only guy that could bring it back. That was within reason of being able to get. Well, we know the finalists were Matt Canna, Pep Hamilton, and Mike Loxley. Now, there's really only one of those that's going to be a big, I guess sort of a big name hire, and that's going to be Mike Loxley. Now, yes, I was proponent of keeping Matt Canna, and I still don't think that would have been a bad thing, but I'm, I'm happy given the result of how people reacted. Yeah, and one more thing. Matt Canada is my Terp of the Year. He did so much when Maryland, it looked like they were going to fall apart and be, I don't know, even 0-12 was possible. Um, I don't know about that, but it did seem like we could have easily given up on the year before it began. And it didn't happen. We beat Texas. We fought almost every week. We were in the game. The team gave good effort. It seemed like every game they gave good effort. They didn't always get great results, especially offensively. But they really gave it their all. They fought hard, and that's all I really could have hoped for this year. Agreed.
So now back to Loxley. Just he was the only move. He could bring back the local recruits. You know, we can go over this over and over and over again. And we have, at least on two or three shows here. But it was just the right guy for the right time. I'll just leave it at that. Well, that's not true until we win. But for now, no, I will leave it no, at that. No, 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 no. That's the point that you missed with this. Maryland football is at the point of, again, of no return. Even if Mike Loxley doesn't win. Even if the recruiting isn't as good as we thought it was. If he can bring those donors back, if he can bring excitement back to this football program, then we have won with this hire. It's not necessarily about wins and losses. It's about people being amped up for Maryland football again and kind of forgetting about the past and moving on. All right. Well, that is, I think, a pretty solid line of reasoning, and that's your opinion. I'm not going to argue with it. So let's move on to basketball. Maryland topped the Radford are they the Hilltoppers? The Highlanders. The Highlanders. Radford Highlanders. The Radford Highlanders in basketball. A game that could have been considered, a, I guess, a trap game. I don't know how else to say it, but they beat Radford 78-64. to I don't think trap game is the word because all of the fans out there were saying we very much could lose this game. Yeah, and we'll get into the details in a minute, but before we do that, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes and models. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your priced automobile, and they are the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Euro Cars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the young Terps sent you. So the Terps get a 14-point win. It didn't look solid the whole way. But at the end of the day, I guess you got the result that you needed. I suppose so. It was a weird game because it was... it was one of the worst time games of the year. Of course, it was up against the college football playoff, specifically the second half of Notre Dame versus Clemson. And as most fans were, we were watching both games simultaneously, kind of. And it, I don't know, the whole game had a weird vibe to me. It had another vibe like the Seton Hall game. There was that point where both teams are in the middle teens and points, and the game kind of stopped. The crowd wasn't good. The students weren't there. The wall seemed empty. Even press row looks sparse. Yeah, everybody wanted to um, watch the playoff. I talked with Scott Green. He was like, yeah, I might go. I really want to watch the playoff. I really love college football, and so do I. I have the same thing. I didn't go to the game because I like college football. And even though those two games kind of sucked, if they were great. I would have been punching myself for not staying at home and watching them. So um, it was just kind of... I don't know, the dead environments I'm kind of tired of, and hopefully that will change with a near-ranked or ranked team. I don't know right now if they are. Got back into the poll in Nebraska. Um, I will check. It just showed up on my phone. But, yeah, it was, I don't know. It felt off. Was he, I almost said Seton Hall. Radford got out to an early lead, and they, I felt they really had chances to get out there and really take a lead in this game, and they kind of missed their opportunities. And that's what I feel like the concern would be if you have them, is that Radford had 
real chances to get out there and take some significant leads, and they didn't, and we were able to get back in the game because of that. So, yeah, Nebraska is a ranked opponent for the Terps. They're ranked number 24. So, there you have it. A ranked game on a Monday night coming off a holiday weekend. There should be a good crowd. Well, the students aren't back yet. That's going to be a big thing. Yeah, but they'll show. No, they, they will have, show. They I'll, have limited seats, so it should they'll show. They will at least show better than they have. Uh, this, I, I don't know. I feel like the Radford game is something you kind of just say, okay, they played well enough. They were missing Jalen Smith. Sure, whatever. They won. See, now I'm a little bit excited. You know, nice. Oh, God, the game's at 630. Oh, another great time by Maryland Athletics. So, yes, January 2nd, 630, then, for the Nebraska Cornhuskers game. You see, that takes a huge hit to your attendance. It, it does. It really does. That's... Because now we're off the – hate to go into, like, traffic logic here. But now you're off the holiday weekend. Everyone said goodbye to their family, and it's time to get back to the work grind. Or if you're a Maryland student, it's time to actually have some real time off while your family is not around. And then you're like, oh, there's a good game. I'll go to that. I'll finally use my season tickets this season for once, other than the Virginia game. And then the game's at 630. It's the – I mean, the it, it is a time for TV. It's the timing because at 7 o'clock, you have an extra half hour to get there. At 630, if you get at work at 5 – you have to really move it to get there by the time. No, 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 no. Jordan, everyone works about like an hour from College Park. Add the hour, an extra hour, you're leaving work at 3. You do not have to leave work at 3. I will tell you, Wayne will tell you to meet him at the office at 3 o'clock, and that's when we're going. I really hope not. Okay, anyway, um... I don't know what to expect from this game. I think Maryland has a tendency to place the level of their opponent a little bit. Maybe not as well as they should when it comes to playing up, but they still play, I think, to the general level. I think this is a winnable game. Well, jeez. I mean, Maryland plays... There hasn't been a game this year where they've just been beaten. No, they lost Virginia by, what, what was it, three points at the end, four points at the end. They lost to Seton Hall by four. They lost to Purdue. Purdue was the biggest margin. That was, what, four points? No, they lost to Purdue by two. Virginia's largest margin, which is a loss by five. So when you're just discussing this team in general or, you know, the Turgeon teams, since Mello, they haven't really been able to win a close game. And just bringing it back to a little bit of throwback, I don't know, throwback Monday here. If you go back to the um, – Kevin Herter, Mello, Anthony Cowan team. That Nebraska loss, which is the same time of the year, was really when things started to turn for the worst for Mark Turge and teams in general at Maryland. Yeah, for those who don't remember, Maryland's winning by a solid something like 10, 15 points with around eight minutes left. And they just slowly, slowly, slowly lost the lead until in the last minute Nebraska takes the lead for the first time in the game and they lose. And it was just... Such a shocking, bad loss because it never felt like the game was really in jeopardy until we actually were losing. Yeah, and then last year the Terps took on Nebraska in Lincoln, and it was kind of a was it a it was near a must win, I believe. I feel like it was. I, I remember the game kind of. And they just never got over the hump. So, if you look at this game, it is very important. Maryland's on the edge of being ten and four. Maryland's on the edge of really losing 
what I believe Maryland desperately needs, like I said against the Radford game where it mattered more, this game will really bring the fans back. It will really, you know, bring some excitement back to around your team. Last game was, uh, there's not really much excitement now, but if we lose this game, we're really in trouble. And this game is kind of, we still have a lot of doubters, but in this game we can really bring a lot of people back to our side of being able to win some big-time games and they should come out and see our team. Yeah, you need the fan support, and this is a great an opportunity to get it back. For a basketball and NCAA tournament perspective, this would be a great win, too. Nebraska's beaten some good teams. They beat, um, I know they beat Creighton by a pretty hefty number earlier this year. They beat Oklahoma State. They're a pretty solid team. I think they're 11-2 and two now. Uh, schedule just came up here. Yeah, they've beaten Clemson. They beat um, Seton Hall. There's a good one. Well, they beat Seton Hall by a lot. They beat Seton Hall 80-57. to They've won games. Nebraska, I really love the way they're coached with Coach Miles. I love the way they play. They're not a necessarily – they're a Big Ten team. They don't have the best talent. They don't recruit the best, but they have a great fan base. They sell out almost every game in the Pinnacle Bank Arena. They're just a team that reminds me of the last era of Maryland where they're not necessarily highly rated, but they always play hard, and they're a pretty up-and-down program. Yeah, they're not a basketball school, as we all know, but Tim Miles is doing a great job there. And they're a fun team to watch. I like their grit. And truthfully, I would say Maryland's probably going to lose this game by five or six points. And if that is the case, then I guess so be it. Like, I, I'm not – I just don't – I'm not inspired by this Maryland team. I don't see them beating a team that plays like Nebraska. But if they do, then it'll be a great win for us and a way to get back in the right direction. Now, does, does Nebraska still have the Palmer guy? I think they do. I'm actually not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure he was a sophomore last year. Is he yeah. There? Is he still there? Yes. So there's a big thing for Maryland to handle, James Palmer, who is, as we all learned last year, quite unfortunately, is one of the best players in the league. And he's from Wise. I didn't know that. He's from. Yeah, yeah I knew that. He went to Miami, didn't he? Yeah, he's from Upper Marlboro, went to St. John's College after going to Wise. And then he went to Miami, to Nebraska. And yes, he was first team All-Big Ten last year. So, now if I'm right about this, the last two, the two best players for Nebraska went to Miami and then transferred to Nebraska. That does sound right. I think that is true, yes. That's, that's kind of odd. That is kind of odd. I don't know what the deal is with that. I guess I don't know, Lincoln is the new Miami to them. You believe that, Jordan. Believe I will that. believe that as much as I want to. So, I think it kind of wraps it up. Maryland, I will give Maryland a D for this year as a whole. Oh, I give them like a E minus. No, you can't get I mean, uh, I guess E because now I go to school in this new age where you can't get an F. F uh, minus. No, you no, can't. No, no. It was bad. It was a lot bad. of things went wrong this year. They Sure, they won a championship, but they didn't make the tournament in men's basketball. They didn't make a bowl game in football. They were embarrassed by the national media. They didn't do a good job of taking control of that narrative. They had the whole reinstate Durkin, don't reinstate him. Lowe's retiring. Lowe's now not retiring. So it's been a year where everything, most things, I'm not going to say everything because the stadium didn't burn down. Something like that didn't happen. But most things went wrong this year. That This just, it could have been a good year. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there was a lot of bad this year. The, the court, men's team, women's basketball team, both disappointed. Neither of the lacrosse team. The, football, the actual football part of the football team was pretty disappointing. I don't know if it was disappointing. It was about on par for me. 
I looked at the schedule, and they could have beaten Texas. They could have beaten Temple, Bowling Green. You know, some of the times where, like, the Michigan State game where they fumbled the ball at the end zone when they were returning an interception for a touchdown. The Iowa game where if they really – if they got going on that day in Iowa City, I was at the game. If they got going, they could have handily beat Iowa, but they just couldn't get started. They had some games on offense, especially where they just couldn't get started. That's why it's disappointing to me. I understand why it's disappointing to you, but there's also enough that went right to me. The men's cyber team won a championship. Both the men's and the women's across teams went to the Final Four. The field hockey team that we forgot to talk about was undefeated for the longest time, and then they made a run to the championship game. Yeah, so there was enough here to salvage it to a D for me. Not everything went wrong. It was pretty close, especially for the revenue-generating teams. Everything, Pretty much everything went wrong. But there was enough that went right for me to salvage it to a passing grade, sort of. All right. I feel like that's a good place to leave the year 2018. Man, this podcast has really been able to do a lot this year. We had our best year. Maybe Barrow didn't, but we did. Yeah, we had a, our highest rated episode ever this year. Um, we picked up some sponsors. We thank all of them. Watercrafters, Maryland Eurocars, Viner Ford Gates, Allied Party Rentals. Thank you, Jordan, for continuing to watch the Terps from out in North Dakota so you can, you know, every twice a week we can get on this podcast and talk Terps. It's been fun. Thank you, Mason, for your tireless and sometimes annoying commitment to making the podcast better. I'll give it annoying. You know what? My own commitment to, like, the audio this year, we put in a new audio system for this podcast that gave me a lot of headaches, but at the end... I, don't, I still don't even think it's at, at its full um, full potential. Full potential, but it's a developing player on the squad. We develop talent here, unlike <laughs> some other things that go on at our beloved university that's really had a rough year. But, hey, as for you guys that have either joined listening to the podcast or have been sticking with the podcast since its birth, we thank you guys for a great year in 2018, and here's to 2019 it can't get much worse for Marin Athletics, and we hope you continue the journey with us. Yeah, as always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Forgates and Rockville, for all of your business needs in 2019. Viner Forgates is the IT place to go. You can reach Viner Forgates at 301-251-2900 or on the web at oneviner.com. Allied Party Rentals, they're the place to go for all of your party rental needs. Tents, chairs, linens, china other accessories if you want to plan a presidential inauguration they have some experience with that you can visit their website at alliedpartyrentals.com and maryland euro cars the five-star place to get your european car service bmw audi mercedes they do it all and you can reach them at 301-217-5831 and ask for christian jordan here's to 2019 here's to 2019 go terps we'll see you next year Yes, we will, and we will see you on Wednesday after the Terps hopefully get their first rank win of 2019. As always, thanks for listening.